Perhaps you've heard the same thing I have heard more than once. Mama and I have been married for 50 years and we've never had a crossword. They're either dead or they're lying and they're certainly not married to me. Any relationship that's long enough, that's close enough, there inevitably is stress, right? There's disagreement. There's loss. There's pain. That's true in our individual lives, right? That's true where we work. That's true in our social engagements. That's true in our families. It's true in our church. It's inevitable, right? That's just part of being human. That's part of, I believe, how we can grow. Because that conflict, that pain says, we need to pay some attention here. We need to do something. Let something go. Forgive something. It's true in my life. It's true in your life. It's true in our lives together. It just is. It's not saying anything negative about us or about our relationships, our church, our work, whatever. That's just the way life is. The truth is that there may be some things in our past that until we let go of those, we cannot be all God's called us to be. Several of you, I've talked about the death of my mother, August the 5th, 1982. My father had to go through a grief process. He had to let some things go. He had to grieve that loss before he could enter into a new relationship with Dorothy, to whom he was married happily for 16 years. But when there's loss, there's always grief. If it's a loss of a relationship, uh, the death of my cousin, my first cousin who died Friday, and his funeral was Tuesday in Manhattan, Kansas, I have grieved that because now I'm the oldest one of the cousins, you see. You think about those things, don't you? So, the text. Jeremiah. Jeremiah's living in troubled times. He feels pain. The people are pretending that nothing's happening. Everything's the same. No one seems to care, acknowledge, or admit. There, there appears to be some kind of grand cover-up going on. But the end comes and Judah ends. Even though, in fact, the people think they're secure, their future's guaranteed. We know better, don't we? Because our future is not guaranteed. Some said it was the great Babylonian power that was their demise. Others said, no, Judah had an inferior defense policy. They didn't have enough bombs and aircraft carriers and troops. Jeremiah, though, sees it differently, doesn't he? It isn't some great foreign power that leads to their demise. It isn't inadequate strategic defense. It's because of the sin of the people. The text for this morning obviously is uncomfortable to read, isn't it? 
the story of pain, loss, and grief. They're losing that which they thought never would go away. The world, as they know it, is ending. They're doing it to themselves. They're agents of their own demise. The witness of the text is that until we admit grief and pain and loss and work through it in a positive and redemptive way, there's no hope for newness. It was Henry Nouwen who said, and I quote, there is no hope for the future as long as the past remains, remains uncon, unreceived, unconfessed, and unforgiven. There is no hope for the future as long as the past remains unreceived, unconfessed, and unforgiven. That's the only way we on our spiritual journeys can be all that God has called us to be, is if we can know the past, let it go, receive God's forgiveness, and then and only then can we move to the future God has for us. I love the hymn, the verse that says, He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. You see, our sins have been forgiven, but we tend to beat ourselves up, continue to beat ourselves up. And it's only when we can receive that forgiveness and let it go that we can become the people God's called us to be or the person that God's called us to be. This is a story of people who've forgotten their way. According to chapter 2, they've forgotten that they're, uh, about their deliverance from Egypt. They have become practical atheists. They've been pretending that God really doesn't matter, that they can do it on their own without God's assistance. They've failed to acknowledge God's work and presence in their lives. Woe be it to the people of God when that happens. Woe to the church when that happens. Inevitably, a church where that happens turns inward and devours their own. You ever seen a church do that? It's not a pretty picture, is it? Earlier in the book, we find... Jeremiah writhing in pain, his heart is sick, his grief is deep, the people are too busy, they're too sure of themselves, they're too committed to the way things are and think that it will never end. But the only possibility, the only possibility for hope, says Jeremiah, is not to deny loss, grief, death, but rather acknowledge it and grieve. Verse 12, did you hear verse 12? Your hurt is incurable. Sounds like there are people ready for hospice, doesn't it? They're dying, it sounds like. Your wound is grievous. There's no one to uphold your cause, no medicine for your wound, no healing for you. And all your lovers have forgotten you. You know who their lovers were? Their methodologies, their way of saying, I can do it, we can do it ourselves. We don't need God to be at work in our lives individually and collectively. Anytime we put our faith in any human methodology, we're bound to fail. We're creating an idol and God is a jealous God. The real reason, the real reason for this sickness is the sin of the people. 
You've abandoned your first love. You've denied your heritage. You've forgotten where you came from. You've traded the living water that I offer for the broken cisterns that hold no water. You have forgotten that I have been with you the whole time. You have denied my presence. You haven't been sensitive to what I'm about in in the life and what I want to be about in the life of your community. By the end of verse, verse 15, things are over. The first word of verse 16, though, is remarkable. It's therefore. Well, we know what it's going to be. We know what the therefore. Therefore, I'm going to punish you. You're, you've done all this stuff. Therefore, you have no future. Sounds grievous. Sounds serious. It's hospice time. Jeremiah's listeners tremble. But without explanation, God surprises. Out of the ashes of hopelessness, God's not finished. The voices of threat and punishment become a voice, sound of encouragement, assurance. There's no denying of loss, grief, and pain. Doesn't do any good. There's been an open and honest diagnosis of the situation. By the utter grace of God, the incurable is healed. Wow. If God could do that for these people in this kind of mess, God can do it in my life too. And God can do it in your life. The God who looks like we think is prepared to abandon us in hostility is now the one who embraces us in passion. This God comes full circle all the way from terminal illness to powerful healing. My, what grace, what grace. From abandoned and in exile to luxuriant homecoming. Wow. But as long as it's denied, pushed down, ignored, explained away, no healing. Let me ask you this. Think about your own life. Think about something from the past that you may be carrying with you that may be weighing you down. What kind of therefore are you open to experiencing? What kind of therefore in your life? What is it that perhaps you've been forgiven long ago, but you still carry it around and it weighs you down? In your family, your personal life, your church, your workplace. What kind of therefore will you experience? Will it be the therefore of death or the therefore of life? Hear the words of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah 48, 18, and 19. Do not cling to the events of the past or dwell on what happened long ago. At this point, I want to start singing, let it go, let it go. 
my granddaughters could come and do that, and probably yours could too, your daughters and sons. Watch for the new thing I'm about to do. The new thing that God has in store for you, for this church, this great church, this church that has a wonderful witness in this part of Oklahoma City and literally touching the world. The great thing, the greater thing that God wants to do in our lives depends on us receiving, confessing, and forgiving. Remember, there's no hope for the future as long as the past remains unreceived, unconfessed, and unforgiven. You are the forgiven people of God. God asks us to forgive ourselves. Maybe that's what you need to do. I don't know. You need to forgive somebody else. I don't know. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else that's weighing you down. But what kind of therefore are you prepared to receive? Pray with me. May it be so, O Lord. May it be so. May your people in this great church, individually, in their life together, in their work, in their families, in all of their lives, may they know, receive, confess, and forgive so that you may lead them into the wonderful future that you have for them. We pray this in the name of the one who, while we were yet sinners, died for us. Amen.